0: Addiction, it claws its way into your life, stealing your hope and leaving you feeling utterly lost. You try to fight it, but its grip is tight, its strength overwhelming. You may feel defeated, but there's still a light burning. It's the light of hope, of recovery, and it shines for those who have faced the monster of addiction and emerged victorious, transformed by the power of faith. Welcome to Restored by Faith, the addiction recovery podcast, where we ignite the flame of hope by sharing triumphant stories of individuals who have shattered the chains of addiction and found true freedom in Christ. These are not just tales of overcoming a struggle. They are war cries, testimonies of resilience and transformations fueled by unwavering faith. Let's dive in.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Restored by Faith. Today, we got our one of our up-and-coming members of leadership. Daniel, um, he's going to tell us a little bit of his testimony. He's going to just tell us where his heart is at today. So uh, I welcome you, if you would like to
2: introduce yourself. Yeah, how you doing? Uh, everybody that's listening, my name is Daniel. Uh, I'm not supposed to say my last name. Uh, so my name is Daniel. I'm 19 years old. I've been in deport uh five months now. Oh, five months today, actually. Praise God. Amen. So, um... Yeah, I've been in d five months now. Um, adult and Teen Challenge has definitely changed my life. I've known about Adult and Teen Challenge my whole life, actually. Growing up in the church, they always used to come and, and visit my church. And, you I mean, I just i have always known who they were. Um, they would come and lead a whole service. You have 20 guys up there singing worship songs, and then three of them would give a really powerful testimony. And then usually the lead staff members sometimes the director would come and and give a word and it was just always really really powerful powerful stuff so it's definitely I never thought obviously back way back when you know that I would ever be a part of the program but definitely I I I look back then I used to think man is it really changing lives and now I can definitely say today it really does change lives um so as for me my my life um I have uh, parents who are immigrants. They're from South Africa. They are. They were born like 30 minutes apart. My dad was born in Harare, South Africa, and my mom, she was born in Zimbabwe, a more popular city in South Africa. They moved down here in uh, 1999 after having my sister in 1997, and uh, they've been here ever since you know, and even way back when, when they were down there in Africa from a very young age, both of my parents, even though they were separate lives, they grew up in ministry, and that was a very big part of who they were, and as they grew older, it was never changed. My dad was a minister before he left, and same thing for my mom, so when they came to America, it didn't change. They just picked up where they left off with uh, joining ministries, plugging in, um, being pretty, pretty faithful to the ministries as ministers, and elders and uh, counselors to other people. For the most part, I only remember in my life going to three different churches. It was a a first Baptist church, then I went to a non-denominational living waters, and then my parents actually started their ministry in 2012, Calling to Me Ministries, located in Mesquite, Texas. And uh, that's pretty much been my whole life since since about 2012. You know, I was born in 2004 myself, so Pretty much from the time I was around eight years old, every Sunday, no matter what, I was in church, and it was probably my own church. I was always doing something church-involved, and it's still like that pretty much all the way up until I came here. So that's that's the biggest part of my life, and I thank God because that's like my saving grace. I like to call that my saving grace. Yeah. How are you able to um, see just an immigrant
1: life and differentiate it with now? Is it all one and the same, or do you still have, like, that strong part of the culture
2: within you? I mean, when I was younger, for the most part, I really tried to, like, hide it, you know? I mean, I guess I I didn't get it because, you know, growing up, you you see a lot of other um, immigrants and and nationalities, and you kind of think that yours, especially being African, let's just be honest in society, it's kind of made fun of more, so it's like you kind of want to kind of keep it a little more quiet. So for the most part, I just tried to fit in with everybody, and now it's it's more like I want to learn more. I want to obviously I'm an American citizen, so I want to get my passport, be able to go back and see where my parents grew up. I a lot of people back home who have since I was a kid have been talking about how much they want to see me, and I don't even know who they are. But I obviously I want I want the chance to dive into that. I'm not ashamed of it anymore. You know, like I used to. It got to the point where growing up, I would actually be like feel weird about telling people my last name, like Mutasa, just because I know they'd be like, "What?" Yeah, like, <laughs> I just said my last name, but <laughs> it don't really matter to me. But uh, yeah, I say my name, and people be like, "What?" And I'd be like, "Yeah," and they'd like be like Mufasa. <laughs> so, but now I, I love it. I mean, I love it. It's who I am. It's who God created me to be. So,
1: yeah, right on. And we all have our own individual paths that we're walking. Um. What brought you to the program exactly? You said you were a uh, a pastor's kids. You know, those pastor's kids or, or something else. How do how do you been able to? <laughs> how would you be, explain that from the inside looking out?
2: Oh, uh, that's 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 a real. You know, I'm not one for stereotypes, but that's a real stereotype, <laughs> man. I mean, pastor's kids is like you really are under the most scrutiny. Once you, anyone anywhere finds out you're a pastor's kid, especially socially, it's like. They're automatically assuming you're supposed to be the most behaved kid, so that if you do anything wrong already, it's like, aren't you a passive kid? Um, and like I said, it's just the way, at least at least the way my mind was being shaped and molded as I grew up is I wanted to fit in. I had two parents that were not from America. I was the first born son in my family, so I'm over here just trying to figure out America for myself. Really, it's like my own coming to America moment. And uh, I'm trying to do my best to fit in. And, and ultimately, it, just, it led me down a lot of dark paths, you know. I experienced this sexual trauma from, like, a very young age. And because of how different, you know, my parents viewed America compared to where they grew up, it's like I didn't even understand. I didn't even know what sexual trauma was at that age. I didn't even under- physically understand anything was wrong at all. and and But it was very wrong. Just... It was bad, but stuff like that, I just wanted to fit in. How would you
1: define uh, sexual trauma?
2: Uh, I guess um, sexual trauma, how would I define it? I would define it as anything from any time point in life where you are touched or used or anything in any way of your body in a way that you did not want to happen or you really didn't understand what was happening, whether you're drunk, high, conscious even, and when you look back, you think to yourself, "If you could go back, would you still do that situation?" And you say, "No." It's sexual trauma. Even if it was consensual, I, w- I would define that as a sexual trauma. Yeah. Hey man, I totally understand that. Being someone that's
1: gone through trauma myself, I can understand the like, the like, confusion of like, "Am I belonging in this? In, in what I'm doing or not? Or am I?" It almost feels alien. So, I totally understand where you're coming from, so how yeah. did all that bring you to adult and teen challenge?
2: um because it became necessarily my life just venturing into the unknown. I guess you mean if I could put a name on it uh at school, I would love to to be the class clown because when you're a class clown, they don't make fun of you as much. They're laughing with you, they're not laughing at you anymore, so I love to to take up the role of. Being a guy who made everybody laugh and have make everybody have a good time and I still do it. Just not in a super negative way now. Sometimes. But either way, I, I, I just I kept doing that. I kept going into that. And more, and more and more and more and more my parents would try to tell me not to be like everybody else, not to be a follower, but to be a leader. And I thought I was being a leader, even though obviously I couldn't see how I was leading myself. And so, you know, it was just little things like sneaking out the house to go to the Gas station across the street when my parents said not to um, taking my dad card and, and buying video games without his permission, and ending up spending three thousand dollars within five months on video games. Um, it was being at school and trying to be so individualistic because you know my parents having the culture that they are, they're very strict about a lot of things, and and obviously they're very Christian. They were very good Christian parents. So obviously a lot of what they're saying is also influenced by scripture and me just hearing one thing at home and then going to school and seeing so many, a whole different culture, having so much more fun, I would be in middle school falling in love, like genuinely falling in love with women. I mean, at that age, I'm being introduced now to pornography. I'm, I'm just so many different things are being introduced to me outside of the home that my parents have no idea about that it's like. At home, it's like I hear one thing, but outside of that, it's like I'm literally in a whole nother world. So I kept diving more into that because that was what's fun, right? Sin is fun. Sin is never unappealing. Sin is appealing. So it was fun. It was good. It, was, it gave me the adrenaline rush to be the guy who got away with everything. I used to relish the opportunity to get away with something. I used to tell my friends all the time, I can go in the store, and grab a candy bar, nobody's going to catch me. It just. I boasted about that. I was happy about it. Yeah. So at which point did the sin actually
1: rear its head and and show you who it was, you know, because I know for a fact that when sin at first, yeah, it seems like it's going to be fun and it's going to be awesome. And then it brings you to the end of that trial. And then you're just like, oh, my gosh, where am I and what is this? You know, so at which point for
2: you did you finally hit your rock bottom, if you will? Uh, I guess it would be when my my parents found out that I was smoking. Um, I, I, I was first introduced to weed, um, when I was a sophomore in high school. By you know I was I was blessed. I was a smart kid growing up, and I was in classes with older kids, uh, math classes. And so obviously the kids who are on regular classes, some of them in there might be struggling. So you know those are the kids that would call me over, the younger smarter kid in their class, to give them answers and. You know, one day I walked into a bathroom that I just, I said went to the bathroom at the time, but who knows, I probably still wouldn't end up falling into it sooner or later, but that's what led me to start smoking in the beginning. I was around 15, and that was around 2019, and I really wasn't smoking consistently then, but it was in 2021. I was a junior in high school, getting ready to be a senior. Everything was going great. I had my car. Uh, I had my phone. I had a job. I was like captain on the football team. I had scholarships. I was talking to some good colleges, I'm thinking like, man, like, uh, I lost my rigidity. I, I just thought I had it. I thought I had it really going for myself. Um, But I, I ultimately, I was just blinded by the world. And so, you know, when you're living like that, obviously, it's going to catch up to you eventually. What's done in the dark will always come to the light, especially when you have praying periods at home. And I happened to go out one night. I had uh, some weed that I had in my room. I had forgotten it was in my room. I didn't even know it was still in my room. But uh, I went out one night, and it's crazy. I'll never forget this night and the way it played out because I know God wanted me to get caught this night because I should have been home almost an hour earlier before I got home. We went bowling, and I had had my own bowling ball with me. And if I didn't take my bowling ball with me, none of this would ever happen. But I I went bowling, had a good time bowling, whatever, and uh, it's time for us to go. But my bowling ball gets stuck in the machine. And now this is my personal bowling ball. Like, I spent over $100 on this ball. So I'm like, I need my bowling ball back. I'm not leaving without my bowling ball. We're in rock wall. We're in shenanigans. And I'm like, man, I need this ball. And so we've stayed for an extra hour because it, for some reason that night, nobody was able to, like, assist to us fast enough. And, you know, I'm just sitting there like, oh, it's not a big deal. I can just sit here and wait forever. You know, I'm not in a rush. And, Eventually, I get my bowling ball, you know, and, and I'm just thinking, you know, I had a good fun little night. and to go home play the game or whatever. I walk into my house as I'm walking into my bedroom door. At the time, me and my little brother, we shared a room, so my mom happened to be cleaning my brother's portion of the room, and she's cleaning his side of the room, and she goes through a box. And as I'm walking through the door of my room, she's opening this box and immediately my mind's like, Oh, I got weed in her. <laughs> so I'm like, oh no. She she opens it and I'm like trying to take it out of her hands because I had some letters on top of the weed and she's like going through some letters and then she's like pulls it out. She's like, What is this? You know, it's just like crap. <laughs> and yeah, that that sucked. I lost my car, I lost my job. Uh, I, I, they they took me to the doctor because obviously parents finding out their son who wasn't doing anything he's smoking weed they probably think he's on everything. So they take me to the doctor, to start drug testing me. They told my coaches, so I lost my spot on the team. It was just, it was one of the most depressing moments of my life. Yeah, and man, weed is such a controversial um
1: substance from yeah. your point of view. Um, you know, because a lot of people say weed's not a drug, and then people like. If you do it in moderation, what is your for someone that's been through the the um, the trap of it all, you know, having tried it, thought it was all right, thinking it was cool, um, leaning into the um, the fame of it, and then virtually getting to the defeat of it, um, it. But in your words, can you tell me your ideas on weed and if it's a drug and and or
2: you know, give me your from your words. Yeah, I mean, simple. You can't serve two masters. I mean, it's really yeah. just it's just that simple. I mean, yeah, it is a drug. It's one hundred percent a drug. However, you want to frame it. I mean, the same way that medicine pills is a drug. It's like, yeah, it's a drug. It's just that's that that right there is the baseline of it. You cannot argue that it's not a, just a plant. It is a drug. But um. If you're a Christian, it's as simple as you just can't serve two masters. And I had to learn this for myself while I was actually here in the program. You know, I had to learn that you can't have one and have the other. If you really want a deeper relationship with God, if you want God to grow you into spiritual things and you want to reap everything God has for you, not just surface level, not just like, oh, I know Jesus Christ. Yeah, we talk. Yeah, I, really, he loves me. I kind of love him. I go to church every once in a while. Whatever. If you want that surface level stuff, cool. Keep smoking, do you? But if you really want everything God has for you, and you want to know that you're stepping into God's perfect plan and will for your life, you don't. You don't need to touch it. I promise you. All it does is distort your mind. You know, there's a scripture. I'm sorry, I can't quote it exactly right now, but it's to. Now I, pese- now I beseech you, therefore, brothers, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your spiritual worship. I'm pretty sure that's Romans 12, 1, 2. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. But that to present your bodies as a holy and living sacrifice, perfect and acceptable. If Jesus Christ is in your body right now, I'm pretty sure Jesus wouldn't want to be getting high with you. You know, if Jesus Christ is standing there right there with you and he's going through everything with you, I'm pretty sure he, he doesn't want the blunt if you would pass it to him. So, when I think about it in a sense like that, it's like if I can't give do this and participate and give praise to God for this, it's not something I could do and claim to be with him at all so for me it's, its something I've completely let go, and you know there's a lot of people you know I still know now that will argue it, and for them, it's just I have to give them the room to grow into it themselves, but for me, I know it's simply I can't serve two masters, yeah, it causes me to think of this illustration of,
1: can you imagine if you're sitting there in church? You know, the worship music them played, they got the smoke machine, then now the now the lesson's coming, but they left the smoke machine on. <laughs> now the whole house is <laughs> full of smoke. You can't see nothing. Yeah. You're having a hard time breathing. And the and the part for us as as Christians is we're not stationary. We are the temple of God. So when we're going out into the world, we carry the, and we carry that smoke with us. Now we aren't seeing anything. And now we're not hearing anything. You know what I'm saying? So it's like is it, it that weed, I mean, it can calm you down to the point to where you're a motivated. Like there is no going forward. There's only reaching around and 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 slipping around. There's no definite um actions, you know. But yeah. in my opinion, it's a drug, you know. I've I've For been sure. there and done that and had my downfalls from it. So I commend you on on getting away from it and And leaning on the word of God because if anything because I could say anything about weed, but whatever the word of God says about us, um you know using substance using substances or yeah or having two masters or any of those things, if the word of God says it, that I mean that's a <laughs> rock, you know what I'm saying, yeah, for a foundation. foundation, yeah, nah, seriously, yeah, so um now that you're here in the program, can you tell us a little bit about it? It's not
2: teen easy, it's teen challenge. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? You mean you got you got guys that you're meeting from all over. I'm not even from nowhere out here. I'm from D Town, Dallas, Texas, and I'm out here in country town living. I'm wearing boots right now. <laughs> I ain't never owned a pair of boots in my life. So uh it is I think that's the whole point though it's, to, it's meant to take you out of what's comfortable. I now I kind of look at it as like the wilderness. I look at it as Jesus when he went into the wilderness, Paul when he was uh after he, you know, was blinded on the road to Damascus and his sight was restored, he spent time with Ananias being taught by Ananias. It isn't like he spent one day and then he was gone. You know, he didn't spend one month and he was gone. Paul probably spent several years with Ananias learning the ways of Jesus Christ before he was able to go out now and boldly become the Paul we we know through the through his uh through his letters to the churches um it's it's the wilderness God has brought us and, and and me and anyone who's out here for this time specifically because he wants to teach us something and it's not some one lesson it's not just two lessons but it's multiple lessons sometimes it's daily sometimes it's one lesson a week sometimes it's one lesson every two months But it's something that he's trying to harden and teaching you that you could not have learned outside of here. And that if you take everything that you can while you are here, when you leave this place, it'll almost be like you're closer than ever to that verse that says you will be almost complete and lack nothing. I think that's in James. That as we build up our endurance, we will continue to grow and grow and grow into everything God has for us according to his purpose and his will for our lives. And so... It's there's 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 tough moments. There's moments where you don't like your authority. There's moments where you don't like the students. There's moments where you don't like anything. But ultimately, I'm I'm grateful because I know in it, I'm learning so many different character qualities that it blows my mind. But ultimately, the greatest thing I'm learning is how to fully depend and trust on God and not myself because the me. The old man, the sinful man, the dope smoking, uh, sneaking out, stealing money, terrible guy I used to be, it's simple. I would just be like, man, this is uncomfortable. I don't like it. I'm going to go. I can figure out something better for myself. The God in me says, I can trust that God would never put me in a situation where I'm going to die. I'm going to be harmed. I'm going, you mean? Like I may go through some tough moments, but God will never put on what more than I can bear. So it's like when I know that, and I know that God is the God of all things, so even in every moment, in every sentence, and every word, and every anything, God is allowing what is being said or being done to happen. I move forward boldly in faith, like, okay, if God's got me here, if God had me then when I almost crashed in the middle of the highway, spun out, and no car touched me, he has me now. When I'm here and I'm being told I got to rake leaves in the front yard or whatever detour I had to do, you know what I mean? Like I just, I can stay down and I can just, Trust in God in that in certain moments I don't feel it, but maybe a day or two later I feel that like whoa that piece of like I trusted God and He came through. I mean he may not you know the song says he may even when I don't see it he's working. He's always working, he never stops working and if I believe that and continue to press forward in that I just I, I'm I have to humble myself and, and, and just pray and hope that I can fully see everything he does in my life, but I'm excited. Amen. If you could speak,
1: and we're going to close with this, but if you could speak to the you that was here when he came to the program, or maybe a couple of months in, and tell them any words of encouragement, or even the you that was still out there in them streets, if you could give any
2: word of encouragement to them, what would you say? It don't make any sense, and it, it's hard to fathom it, but there is a creator, and he not only created you, but he he has the best plan for your life. Not a good plan, not a plan, but greater, greater than any plan you could ever come up with. He has the best plan for your life, and if you would just trust him and step into it, you will experience the best things out of life. Amen. You want to pray us out? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, just for another opportunity for me to be able to share your goodness in my life, Lord God. God, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for everything that you do and everything that you've done for me. I pray that you keep moving, you keep working in my life and in the lives of everyone who chooses to pick up their cross and follow you. Lord, I love you, and I give you all the praise and all the glory and honor that is due unto your precious and holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus' name.
1: Thank you guys for listening to Restored by Faith. We'll see you next time.
0: As we draw the curtains on another powerful episode of Restored by Faith, we want to thank you for joining us on this journey of resilience, redemption, and unwavering faith. If you or someone you know is battling addiction, we encourage you to reach out to the East Texas Men's Center, where the flame of hope is kindled and lives are transformed. You don't have to face this journey alone. The East Texas Men's Center is here to provide support, guidance, and a community that understands the challenges of addiction. Take that courageous step towards recovery and redemption. Call the East Texas Men's Center at 903-652-2352 or visit their website at easttexasmensrehab.org. Remember, the journey to restoration begins with a single step of faith. Thank you for being a part of the Restored by Faith community. Until next time, may the light of Christ guide you on your path to healing and freedom.